everyone. This is Jeremy Goff with another episode of Dispelling Anti-Mormon Lives, Myths, and Rumors. Today, I'm going to be talking about excommunication, and it needs to be addressed because there's some quite frankly misinformation going around in the anti-community about excommunication. The sin is when you organize. And so just like Sam Young, and just like Kate Kelly and John Dalen, and apostates before them and apostates to come, this sin happens when they decide they are actively going to pit themselves against the leadership of the church and hold themselves up as a false prophet. Next. So excommunication is an act of love. <laughs> this is Infants on Thrones. The philosophies of men mingled with humans. We are the core. Welcome back to Infants on Thrones. I'm Glenn Ostland, and today, in honor of Sam Young's recent excommunication, we are smacking down a video blog from anti-Mormon combatant extraordinaire, Jeremy Goff, whose faithfulness and valiance is rivaled only by his ignorance and naivete. Now, we recorded this as a precursor to our moral relativism discussion as part of the Emanuel for Creating Atheist series. So you're going to hear panelists Delaney Darko, Tom Perry, a little bit from Matt Long, and from Peter, one of our Patreon supporters who was watching us live. But this is also going to tease the return of Chelsea Shields, who some of you may remember from our placebo episodes from four years ago. Now, Chelsea has a double PhD in both cultural anthropology and biological anthropology, so you've got a soft science and a hard science. So Chelsea understands the issues of moral relativism from both sides of the spectrum probably better than anyone else we know. Now, you'll hear more from Chelsea in our next episode, but she was also with us as we smacked down this inane piece of common Mormon thinking tripe from Brother Goff. So with no further ado... Let's jump right in. Um, while we're waiting for Matt, I want to um, do kind of like a, I don't know if it's quite Mystery Science Theater 3000 style. There's a, a video, like a, a, a vlog, a video blog that somebody made last Sunday. He's a 27-year-old faithful Mormon named Jeremy Goff, who does a blog called my life and he he uh sets the record straight about ex-mormon lies and myths um and and so he he was talking uh explaining excommunication and since today is the day when sam young is is going in front of his tribunal i thought we could start just by watching what uh, jeremy goff has to say about excommunication and and then maybe maybe there'll be something that is relevant in the later conversation as well this is a 12 minute video so just we're gonna watch it do we get to make any comments on it absolutely if if, if that that's why i said the mystery science theater 3000 if you want to make a quip or if you want me to pause it so we can talk about something i can do that too so that up here and then by the time we finish this matt will probably be here and we can start with the main stuff. Hello, everyone. This is Jeremy Goff with another episode of Anti-Mormon Lives, Myths, and Rumors. Today, I'm going to be addressing a topic that, quite frankly, has a misnomer within the church, mainly because of how other churches do it. Today, I'm going to be talking about excommunication and how excommunication in the church is very different than excommunication in 
basically any other church or any other organization. Before I get started today, one of the fun things always to do is to see where people are watching from. I want to say typically we have people from each of the six major continents who will tune in at some point or another. So if you want to go ahead and state where you're coming from. It's got like 30,000 people. I will try to give you a shout out. Anyways, today's topic I'm going to be talking about is excommunication. Now, excommunication in most other churches is the ultimate form of capital punishment. Within the Catholic Church, excommunication means you're being disowned. Capital punishment? Yeah, I don't. I don't think he knows what. Like, I. I think. No. I think. Like, I think what? what he means is like the most severe type of punishment, like beheading. <laughs> what yeah. is he supposed to? What kind of? What, what kind of a hyperbole is he using there? I don't think it's hyperbole. I think. I, I think he just means. <laughs> right. I, I think he's using the word capital punishment because that sounds more severe than non-capital pun or just like All regular right. punishment. You say uh, he's had over thirty thousand followers, though, huh? Yeah, I mean, I haven't I haven't looked that closely into it, but on the on his Facebook page, I think he's got like thirty thousand uh, followers or likes on on his Facebook page. I saw this. I don't remember where. Oh, really? Like this exact it. one on excommunication. Yeah, and I just saw his picture, and I was like, I don't even want to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was it's it was it was sad to watch it on Facebook because a lot of the comments were so mean. Really? About, yeah, I mean, just about yeah. like. His his appearance, his style, you know, things I like hate that. that stuff. Yeah, I, I just saw stuff. the subtitle was like how a, how an excommunication really is a court of love, and I yeah. just said nope and kept going. Yeah. So he he looks like he's what in his twenties for sure. He's twenty seven years old. Twenty seven. Yeah. Wow. I looked that up. Yeah. Okay. And he's a, a customer service representative for Visa. I'm not sure why that's relevant, but okay. I don't know. <laughs> it was on his page. Search, Glenn. I, I, well, I, I think, I think just because it, it, it kind of explained. I think he's the type of customer service representative that really cares. And, of course, and wants, yeah. Wants to make sure that the people are receiving the right service, and you know, so so as he's he's trying to explain why excommunication really isn't so bad to people who might be getting upset about it in a very kind of customer service kind of way. That's why I thought it was. Well, the only thing that I'll say about his appearance is it looks like he has one of those tie tacks. I haven't seen very many people wear those in a long time. So kudos, man. Yeah. Oh, the, the, like that pins his tie to yeah, his shirt so it doesn't come into his food one. when he's yeah. leaning over yeah, it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Very smooth. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Classy. Typically, not just by the church, but also by your family, your community. Sometimes you'll lose your job, get kicked out of school, and potentially lose your housing. My cousin served a mission in uh, France, and he had one lady who he's teaching the gospel to who said, I know the church is true, I just can't join it. And he said, well, why can't you join it? And she's like, well, here's the deal. I'll get excommunicated from the Catholic Church. And if I do, I will lose my job. My parents will disown me. I'll lose my inheritance. I will get kicked out of the school I'm at. And even my landlord will kick me out for being excommunicated from the church. That is how other churches work. You know, I hope this is obvious to everyone who is listening to this. But you see what Jeremy just did right there, right? He took a single story that his cousin told him, and he used that as evidence, I'm doing air quotes, <laughs> evidence to justify his claim that this is how every other church, besides the one true right one, deals with excommunication, the capital punishment that it is. <laughs> now, it couldn't be that the woman that was talking to his cousin 
was feeding him excuses that were kind of lame to just try and save face because she was nice and she actually liked him and she didn't want to hurt his feelings and but she wasn't going to join the Mormon church but it doesn't really matter if what she was saying was accurate or not all that matters is that the story the way that it was told to him or the way that he heard it fit his preconceived belief that the Mormon church is true and good and completely in line with Jesus, since Jesus is the one that's leading it and all. And that's what it's really all about anyway, right? I mean, just reaffirming the truthfulness of that over and over and over and over and over and over again with stories and theories and ideas that don't really need to be verified or fact-checked because they already line up with the most important truth. Yeah, okay. Peter Bogosian, I get it. This is absolutely where I see faith as an enemy to epistemology. It's happening right here in front of me. Now, I remember being in that mindset myself, actually, being so certain that the church is true, that it's hard to even imagine something that might suggest otherwise. So Jeremy can share his anecdotal evidence from his cousin and conclude that this is how every other church works, but not ours. Nope, we don't do any of that. Why? Because think about it, people. Would Jesus Christ do any of those things? I mean, of course not. Jesus Christ is all about love when we need him to be all about love. We are Christ's one true church. So, duh, what do you expect from other churches? There's no need to verify anything here. Can I get a Tom sigh? Anyone? I'll do it myself. All right. Continue with your tragically faulty reasoning, Jeremy. I'm sure I'll be jumping in again here pretty soon. And even my landlord will kick me out for being excommunicated from the church. That is how other churches work. It's a shunning. It's a public punishment. It's a you've done bad, now you should pay for it. Within the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, it's not even close to that. Because does that sound like how Jesus would act? And the answer to that question is simply, no, it does not. Within the church, we try to follow the principles as taught by Jesus Christ to the Nephites. He taught them that, yes, you need to keep your records. Yes, if somebody sins and does not repent, that you need to block their names out. Hang on a second. Yeah. So the shaming thing. Come on, man. Yes, the excommunication most definitely. In fact, uh, young 27-year-old good dude here. um, The the fact is, is a lot of people that are, whether it's disfellowshipped or excommunicated, it is rare, but sometimes the church, local church leader will actually make a public statement about said individual as a form of warning, like do not interact with this individual, depending on what the... You know, they'll, they'll like warn other people over the public uh, or, or yes, over, the over the pulpit, pulpit or whatever. Yeah. Or they'll send out even a letter. Depend. I mean, I don't hear that happening as often as it used to in the past, but yeah, it has been known to happen. So this public shaming thing says the Church of Jesus Christ uh, Latter Saints doesn't do. Yeah, they do. They, well, and more than that, there's social shaming. I had yes. a recent experience. I won't reveal their name, but there are people I'm very close to whose twelve year old daughter was not allowed to go to this big young women's camp group, and everyone was aware of it, and everyone at the entire her entire social cohort was talking about why she wasn't worthy to go. It was an enormously punishing type of social ostracism. Yeah. 
Yeah, but but um, that's not the church that's doing that, though, Chelsea, because the church, they're good guys. They they're, they follow what Jesus said to the Nephites. Um, it's, if there's things that are happening in the culture among the Mormons, it's because they, they, they need to repent. And Yeah, their hands are clean of that. Nobody's perfect. Right, right. But that yeah. argument's done for. I mean, here's good. the thing about that. <laughs> if think about it. If these were women... You and, and these were young women leaders and someone came home and said, mom, everyone shamed me. Guess who would be in trouble? Those young women leaders. Everyone yeah. would be at each other calling saying, why don't you think about my daughter and her feelings and the social context? Some reason we don't expect men to have the same standard of care about young people. They should still be considerate and That's no one holds point. them accountable. That's yeah. a good point. All right. Let's, let's continue on with Jeremy. By which your covenant is annulled. So your baptismal covenant, which basically was membership within the church, along with all your other covenants, and you're excommunicated, is null and void. So you no longer have the right to claim any of those blessings because you've broken those covenants. Now, that is what excommunication is within the church. There's no public shaming. There's no ex- there's no being kicked out of your where you're living or housing, within very rare exceptions of if you're living at BYU, because that is considered church housing. and. He he just, he just there put a little asterisk on nobody being kicked out. He goes, well, yeah. sometimes it does at BYU. He goes, but that's because they broke the honor code, not just because being excommunicated. So I'm just going to sidestep that one is what he's saying. Anyway, I think that he's, I can tell kind of how this is going to go. He's right in the sense that if you were to read the book on how to do this, he's technically right. But I can also tell that he's never been through this from either yeah. side of it table yeah having been yeah. through it as like an executive secretary sitting through multiples of these yeah eh. yeah, yeah really yeah i i've never i've never directly witnessed one myself you, you you've sat through how many have you sat through peter three okay probably wow yeah all right I, yeah the, clo- the closest to me my my grandfather was excommunicated when i was a kid um, and then he was rebaptized several years later and rejoined in full fellowship. But, you know, like, and even when he was excommunicated, he still attended. And, and, and one more thing about the shaming thing, and this goes to the disfellowshipment, disfellowshipment as well. Uh, the fact that they can't participate in church meetings as far as like prayers, can't take the sacrament. I mean, that's, and I think that's to be argued whether that's cultural or, or doctrine, because I remember, uh, a few individuals that were, whether excommunicated or disfellowshipped, that um, they got called on to give a prayer, and they're like, "Oh no, I can't. I'm I'm in the temporary shunned uh, yeah. category right now." And the Dwight Schrute shunned. Yes, I have decided to shun Andy Bernard for the next three years, which I'm looking forward to. It's an Amish technique. It's like slapping someone with silence. And it was very awkward and uncomfortable. And I'm temporarily lifting the shun. Shunning resumed. You know, everybody at the same time is like, Unshun. Ooh, crap. What happened to that individual? Reshun. Ooh. Yeah. Jim, could you please inform Andy Bernard that he is being shunned? Andy. Dwight says, welcome back. And he could use a hug. Okay, tell him that that's not true. Dwight says that he actually doesn't know one single fact about bear attacks. Okay, no, Jim, tell him bears can climb faster than they can run. Jim, tell him! Andy, that's too far. Damn you. And that's the thing, is like, because they want to be, I know that they're trying to be confidential with... Trying to be discreet and sensitive. Yeah, not like, oh, so Dave, you know, he was cheating on his wife, that's why he's excommunicated. They don't want to say that either, so whatever. All right, let's go. 
at a church school, and at that point, you actually were also breaking the honor code. So I'm not even going to go into that any further because that's an entirely different issue. But within the church, excommunication does happen, and it needs to be addressed because there's some, quite frankly, misinformation going around in the anti-community about excommunication. No one has been, and no one ever will be excommunicated for asking a question. Let me repeat that. No one has been, and no one ever will be excommunicated for asking a question. They'll never be excommunicated for wanting to know more or trying to understand. Excommunication happens when we have entered a state of apostasy. Apostasy starts with very small roots and becomes a very nasty, rapid-growing weed. And because of that, we excommunicate people out of the church who've broken their covenants, and it's because they've already forsaken them. We are not going up to somebody who's keeping all their covenants who says, I've got a question about church history, and we're saying, oh, get out of the church. What we're doing is we're going to someone who's forsaken their covenants, who's turned against the church and who's attacking the church and who's breaking the commandments, and we're saying, you covenanted to God not to do these things. You're obviously breaking that covenant with God. An act of love and mercy is to annul those covenants. So that way your sin and your action is not a double action. Because if a non-member breaks the law of chastity, he's broken the law of chastity. If an endowed member of the church breaks the law of chastity, he's breaking the law of chastity and violating his temple of covenants. Man, I love this stacking the deck for Mormonism internal logic here. It's the where much is given, much is required doctrine and action, right? Breaking the law of chastity is a sin for anyone, but it's an even bigger sin for Mormons because Mormons covenant. Mormons make sacred, imaginary, one-way promises with God that if they avoid committing the sin that everyone is supposed to avoid anyway, whether they covenant to or not, then you get extra blessings or endowments. And, I mean, if somebody's really well endowed, you can hardly blame them for breaking the law of chastity, right? But seriously, we sacred promise to avoid sins that everyone is supposed to avoid anyway, and in return, God gives extra blessings. But the bigger you are, the harder you fall. So, you know, it's not that Mormons think that they're so much bigger and better than everyone else, as much as it's just so much riskier for us to take on these covenants and get these extra blessings. And that greater risk, that greater risk really is the key to understanding what Jeremy Goff is talking about here. Why he's saying that excommunicating the bigger, better Mormons is really in their best interest. Why it's really an act of love. Because we're just going to take away your potential to seriously screw yourself over for eternity until you take it a little bit more seriously, young man. And it amazes me how stupid this sounds to me now, but how much sense it used to make to me when I was committed to that belief system. And that makes me feel charity for Jeremy. It really does. I, I just, I had no idea at the time how completely oblivious and stupid I sounded, how obnoxiously arrogant it made me, claiming this special chosen covenanted status with God. What an unfortunate scam that was to be born into. Because if a non-member breaks the law of chastity, he's broken the law of chastity. If an endowed member of the church breaks the law of chastity, he's breaking the law of chastity and violating his temple of covenants. And so when somebody has a repeated issue with commandment keeping and covenant keeping, they have the potential to be have what's called a church disciplinary council. 
That is where the church high council for their region will call them in and their membership will be called into question. This most recently has happened with Sam Young. He's making a whole hoopla of it and trying to make it sound like I'm trying to defend children and that's why the church has excommunicated me. A bunch of crock. The reason he's getting excommunicated from the church is because he's actively trying to organize people against the church leadership. That sounds like the definition of apostasy. Apostasy is when you're no longer supporting your leaders, you're no longer following your leaders, and then you're actively fighting against your leaders. See, the same thing happened with Kate Kelly. There was not a sin in the personal belief that women should be ordained to the priesthood. You're wrong, but there's not a sin there. (laughs) The sin happens when you decide you're going to organize others to attack the church, to attack the prophet, to attack the leadership. The sin is not the thought. The sin is when you organize. And so just like Sam Young, and just like Kate Kelly and John Dalen, and apostates before them and apostates to come, the (laughs) sin happens when they decide they're actively going to pit themselves against the leadership of the church and hold themselves up as a false prophet. Somebody who knows better than the brethren. Somebody who says, no, no, no. Russell M. Nelson isn't acting on behalf of the Lord. He doesn't get it. I understand this issue better than he does. That is what they're saying in essence. He, he, he just said, that's what they're saying in essence. I, I think that's what they're saying in more than essence. He, he's dead on. <laughs> it, that's absolutely right. Amen. He is right. Yeah. Like, but, exactly. but when you get to that point where you're like, uh, yeah, I think I do understand this issue better than, than they do. Uh, yeah. The only, the only thing I'd like to ask, uh, you say his name is Jeremy. Yeah. Jer- Jeremy. I'd like to ask Jeremy, because um, he kind of gives this impression that the leaders or prophets of the church are more or less infa- infallible. That's, that's the impression that I get, where it's like, well, any form of criticism, if you speak it, you can think it all you want, but if you speak it and you organize... Privately, that's, yeah. yeah. That's once, you, the, once you share it and... Yeah, that's where the sin resides. Yeah, that's the sin. Organize. But he's defining sin kind of two ways, because he says, well, there's these criteria for apostasy, but it's also breaking your covenants. Well, right. those are two separate things. I never covenanted not to criticize. I know. Nobody but, did. So but, it's which rule also, would you like to use to kick somebody out? Because you've got a selection that you can choose from. Yeah. He's also assuming that when people stand out against the church, it's to say, I I know better than you. And coming from the front lines of ordained women, I will tell you, that was never my impression, at least. I didn't know more than the prophets. What I knew was people are being harmed by this current policy, and you're not aware of that. You actually aren't aware of that because you've never commented on that. You've never talked about that. So how, basically, my frustration is if anyone speaks out, they're considered, I know better than the church. That means we can never, ever hold the church accountable for any actions that harm people. And that's some of our motivation is not to set ourselves up. I don't want followers. I'm completely off social media. That was a mess. I don't want that lifestyle. Maybe some people are. All I wanted to do is say something is being harmful and we want to stop it. And I don't, I don't know more than the prophet. So is that apostasy? You, You weren't excommunicated, were you, Chelsea? I wasn't. Maybe that's the answer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> did you did you resign before they could excommunicate you, or are you still on record? I, well, maybe I shouldn't say this. I'm I'm still on record. Yeah, I'm still on record. <laughs> me too. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I hope they don't find me and try to excommunicate me. That would break my heart. But well, yeah. Well, all right. Let, let's. We got we've got a few more minutes left of this. Let's finish it. Uh, almost seven. Let's see. Maybe not that. They're not saying this is an issue. I think you should look at. They're saying. You're wrong. I am right. I understand and I'm more in tune with God. I'm more of a prophet than you are. Well, actually, Jeremy, what we're really saying is 
I was taught that by their fruits ye shall know them, and your fruits, dear leaders of the Mormon Church, in some areas, at least, some important areas, have proven yourself fallible in my eyes. I can no longer believe that you represent the unquestionable will of God for me, and I'm no longer willing to give you authority over my life anymore. It's not about trying to be a prophet in their place. It's not about pretending to know the will of God better than they do. It's about calling them on their bullcrock. It's about recognizing hey, leaders, don't say Jesus said love everyone and then turn around and demonize people that you don't really understand enough to listen to or really care about. Now, I don't expect you to understand this, Jeremy. Not yet. But I do hope that the desire that you have for truth that is motivating you to make these video logs to expose anti-Mormon lies and myths, and there are anti-Mormon lies and myths. I'm all about exposing them too. We're on the same team there. I hope that the desire for seeking truth and purity and goodness in you continues to motivate you throughout your life. And that at some point, you'll be able to ask yourself, hang on a sec, do I really know all these things that I've been claiming to know? So keep doing what you're doing. Keep learning. Keep explaining. Start questioning a little bit more and you'll eventually get better at it if you really want to. See, here's the deal. With the Protect the Children, he brought up some concerns. The church looked at his concerns and says, you know what? These are some address these are how we're gonna address these issues. He said, that's not good enough. I want more. I want this. I think that this is how the church should be run. And that's the problem. Is when he decides he is going to run the church in his mind a certain way, and the church isn't being run that way. And so then he decides he's going to apostatize. And so, within the church, that's how apostasy happens. But then the question becomes, what next? So, they annul their covenants, including the gift of the Holy Ghost. And these things are not done out of a vengeful, spiteful, ha ha ha, you will never be able to be part of the Mormon church again. First off, there's no Mormon church. Second off, that's not even (laughs) the intent of it. The purpose of excommunication is to actually aid in the path to repentance. Because, see, when you haven't broken a covenant... You're only making a covenant. And anyone who's ever helped someone join the church or someone come back to the church will always testify it is easier for someone who has never joined the church, never been part of the church, never had any relations with the church to join it than somebody who's become embittled and bitter and angry and been excommunicated to come back. And the reason why is because broken covenants are hard to repair. Broken covenants are when we had trust with the Lord and we violated it. That takes effort. The covenants are voided because they do not want us to be continuing to break the trust of the Lord. Hey, can can you explain something to me, Jeremy? Now, God is omniscient, right? The Alpha and Omega. He knows the beginning from the end. So he's omniscient. So what role exactly does trust play? to an omniscient being. Now you're saying that when we enter into a covenant with God, that he's trusting that we will honor it and that we'll endure to the end. He's hoping that we're going to make it, but he isn't sure. So he just has to trust us that we will. Or are you using the form of trust that's saying that he's 
entrusting us with his priesthood power that we wield and that we've betrayed that trust through wickedness and apostasy and whatever. I, I don't know. This trust argument, it just doesn't really make any sense, Jeremy. I'm sure you're just repeating things that you've heard and that you've accepted without really seriously questioning yourself. But seriously, brother, the covenants are voided because the leaders don't want us to keep breaking the trust of the Lord. That's your reasoning here? Can't the Lord kind of take care of all of that for himself? Didn't the omniscient Lord kind of know already what was going to happen when we made those covenants with him in the first place? And more importantly, and again, I know that this is beyond your ability to understand at this point, but wouldn't an omniscient Lord also know exactly why the covenants were broken, if they even were? Like, if it was because someone like Sam Young or Kate Kelly or John D-Line saw legitimate inconsistencies in the doctrines and practices that they studied diligently and cared about enough to put their hearts and souls on the line for? Do you think that an omniscient God would understand the thoughts and intents of their hearts maybe better than you or any of the leaders could? Maybe if you had more faith in a God like that, you wouldn't feel the need to put words in his mouth. You could just trust that he'll take care of it, and you wouldn't have to say stupid things about violating the trust of an omniscient being that is a complete logical contradiction. Can't you trust the omniscient and omnipotent God to take care of these things for himself without needing his most chosen people in the whole wide world ever to step in and protect him from getting angry and eternally cursing these apostates? I don't know, Jeremy. Maybe it's you who is violating a trust here. Maybe you don't really trust or believe that God is powerful enough to take care of all of this on his own. But, I mean, if he did all this on his own, then the Mormon leaders wouldn't really have all that much to do. They wouldn't have as much prestige. There wouldn't be all this hero worship. And then what would be the point of having a priesthood or really having a church at all, right? Right? Right. The covenants are voided because they do not want us to be continuing to break the trust of the Lord. And now here are some things that people don't understand. Excommunication is not capital punishment. Excommunication is supposed to be the first step back. Excommunication, when that happens, the stake president and the bishop will sit down with the person and say, now what do you want to do? And if the person is bitter and angry, like Sam or Kate Kelly or John Dalen, they'll form a resistance. They'll continue to actively attack the church. But if the person is humble and actually willing to listen, they will sit down and they'll start charting a course back. Because ultimately, anyone who's been excommunicated from the church has within their grasp the opportunity to regain full fellowship and full standing. And... Any man with testicles has within his grasp the ability to castrate himself or to be castrated. And that is what some people would actually have to do once they've recognized with crystal clarity that these leaders that you've handed your balls over to are not really who or what they say that they are. That's essentially what it means to humble yourself to these leaders. It means to acquiesce 
to constantly believe that there is no possible way that you could ever know or understand anything better than they do. No matter how skilled or intelligent or experienced you become, no matter how myopic or demonstrably wrong or dodo-like they are, that is burying your talent in a field, my friend. And some guy you really love once said not to ever do that. Anyone who's been excommunicated from the church has within their grasp the opportunity to regain full fellowship and full standing. Having no callings reserved, having nothing said, oh, this is off limits. This is only if you didn't do bad things in the past. That's not how the atonement works. The way the atonement works is that when you repented, all of your sins are forgiven. It's as if it never happened. So because you've been excommunicated, it is saying, start back at base one. Start back with no broken covenants. Start back with square one. Figure out faith, repentance, figure out doing the basics. And when you're ready to remake those covenants, you will be rebaptized, and you'll have an ordinance called the Restoration of Ordinances. And that is when you start to receive all those previous ordinances you had restored to you. All those covenants restored to you. So that way you can have those again. Because you lose those things. I was talking to somebody who was excommunicated about a year and a half ago. And she mentioned that she was so bitter and angry that they had, they had canceled her not to get an abortion, and then she did it anyway. And that they'd excommunicated her for that. And she was just, she was so angry. And she told me that when she was excommunicated and they voided her covenants, that she felt the Holy Ghost leave. And she said, that was the most horrific thing in the world to realize that that gift was taken away because of her disobedience. That she was not going to have the gift of the Holy Ghost again until she was willing to qualify herself for it. She had had it since she was a little kid. She didn't realize what she was losing. That is how excommunication works. You lose I don't believe that so story. many blessings. And the blessings you're losing is because of your willful rebellion. It's not a mistake. No one will accidentally be excommunicated from the church. That's not how it works. Excommunication is the Lord's punishment for broken covenants but also the Lord's promise for forgiveness and the opportunity to renew those covenants. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, every single person who has ever sinned, the Lord has a plan for them to come back home. Nobody has been uh, predestined to be damned. Nobody has been told, you've done too much, you're too bad, you're done. Every single person has the opportunity to return. That's what excommunication is all about. Excommunication at its root is the atonement. It is saying... You don't understand what you're doing. You're hurting yourself more than you realize. Follow this pathway back, and when you come back, you will be in a position far stronger, in a testimony far brighter, and the ability to help far more people because you finally figured out who Jesus Christ was. Because here's the deal. If you know who Jesus Christ is and you actually have a firm testimony, you'll never apostatize. The only time you apostatize is when you forsake that knowledge, when you decide to act against it, and that is when you lose everything. And so for the people who are concerned about Kate Kelly or John Dalen or Sam Young getting excommunicated, realize you can have questions. You can ask your questions. You can say, hey, I don't like that answer. I want a better answer. That's not going to get you excommunicated from the church. Not even close. (laughs) You would only get excommunicated from the church when you decide you're going to lead a will for rebellion, an apostate group attacking church leadership, the church policies or church principles. So guard yourself. Realize that apostasy can happen to even an apostle. There have been many apostles excommunicated. 
And so you need to ask yourself, what am I doing when the prophet speaks? Am I obeying or am I rationalizing him away? Am I planting the seeds of apostasy in my own heart and the heart of my children and the people around me over issues or am I following the prophet? When the prophet speaks out about political issues, am I saying he doesn't understand medical marijuana like I do? Or Sam Young, he doesn't understand interviews like I do. Or Kate Kelly, he does not understand. He doesn't understand priesthood like I do. Or are we actually going to humble ourselves and say, I guess maybe God does understand. Because he understands me. He understands you. And he understands everyone. And he loves us. And his goal is to help us get home. That's how excommunication is an act of love. Because excommunication's goal is to bring us home. Is to humble us and to help us to realize that we need to rely and return to the Savior. So that's my message today. I'll be posting a little article at Van about this in the comments. So feel free to read that as well. Feel free to share. All right. So he superimposed God and the Lord with the church leaders a few times there. I don't think he meant to, but it was like. Of course he meant to. Yeah, maybe. But he like. It's just, it's just so he, he's not allowing for any fallibility with the church leaders. And that's super important. And that's, that's the, I mean, if you know your history, Jeremy, if you know your church history, you know that church leaders have made tremendous mistakes. I mean, just look at polygamy. That's, that's, that's probably one of the biggest ones. Look at polygamy, my man. Did they make a mistake? Did the church, did many church leaders make mistakes and errors in, the, in that? Yes, so they're not infallible, my man. They're just not. So quit, quit saying that the, that the Lord or God is, is the one that's excommunicating them, compelling them to be humble so that they can return. It's not that way, man. It's just not that way. It's, it, we got fallible men who can make errors. Russell M. Nelson, all these guys, Dallin H. Oaks, they can all make mistakes. That's why these people like Sam Young and, and Kate Kelly, while they can say, hey, you guys should really check yourselves in this, in this area. You know, can you just take a bigger look at this? Because it's very possible that you could be making a mistake. That's all. All right. I think the line between questioning the right questioning and going too far is whether you've created a PR nightmare for the church. <laughs> if you a PR nightmare, then you're on, on the chopping block. Yeah. yeah. But I also think that people do get uh, disciplined because um, there's so many rogue leaders. There could be some bishops and stake presidents that I'm even aware of that pull people aside and say, you know, I think you're going a little too far off script. So I think I'm going to hold a disciplinary council on you. And usually it doesn't hit any sort of like mainstream. So nobody picks right. up on it and it's still a terrible, terrible thing. And that's the thing is like, Jeremy's not going to be aware of it because he doesn't see it. He's not affiliated with all that kind of stuff, but I've seen it. I've seen he's, re- he's recused himself of the need to do any of that because he's, he, for, for the reason that you stated earlier, he has deferred any decision-making authority to his leaders you got you guys just tell me what to do and I'll do it and I don't have to yep. reason. It 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 plays right into this whole faith as epistemology discussion yep. because he's like I I don't need to figure out how to come to knowledge. I don't need to have to figure out how to like figure out truth for myself to be able to parse out when yep. the church leaders are saying the right thing or when they're saying the wrong thing because I just have faith that they are the representatives of God and yep. that that decision's been made for me. And so, I mean, this is right there in that faith yeah. as epistemology thing. And, and so the, the, the topic that we're going to focus on tonight is this moral relativism 
topic that one of our listeners, you know, the reason we've done this review, this is the fourth part. The reason we've done this is because he sent the email and said, it sounds to me like infants on thrones are becoming moral relativists. What gives? And I, I would say if we really were moral relativists, we would be saying, oh, sure, whatever Jeremy thinks is okay. <laughs> it's, it's all right. His, his way of coming to knowledge, it's all right. Don't, don't question. It's not wrong what he's saying, but I don't, I don't hear anybody saying that. Nope. Well, maybe I'm saying that a little bit. It is okay that Jeremy thinks the way that he does. I understand why he does it. I accept that he does it. I see the flaws in it. But I also have to recognize and acknowledge my own flaws, my own biases, my own unhealthy thought patterns. Now, we'll be talking more about that in future episodes. Now, next episode, you'll get the rest of this discussion on moral relativism. It's what we talked about after this mini smackdown of anti-Mormon killer Jeremy Goth that you just heard. And then the episode the week after that will focus on some of those unhealthy thought patterns that I talked about that I think we all have to a certain degree as a result of our time among the Mormons. Uh, specifically, we'll be focusing on three great untruths that Jonathan Haidt talked about with Sam Harris on a recent Waking Up episode, where Haidt was promoting his new book, The Coddling of the American Mind, How Good Intentions and Bad Ideas Are Setting Up a Generation for Failure. So that's what you can expect over the next few weeks. And, you know, I enjoyed this Jeremy Goff smackdown so much that I think we're going to finally do something that we've talked about doing for a pretty long time, a Mystery Science Theater 3000 type of approach with some of the classic hard-to-find Mormon videos that are no longer quite so hard to find because there's a YouTube channel with tons of them. And now Patreon supporters uh, have been getting sneak peeks and live access to all of these recent and future episodes. So if you've wanted to support us on Patreon but you haven't done it yet, come on over. It's fun. And it goes to a good cause, something that you apparently enjoy. So thanks again for listening to Infants on Thrones, and now this. This sin happens when they decide they are actively going to pit themselves against the leadership of the church and hold themselves up as a false prophet. X. 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 Mormon rap. X. 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 Ugh. That's how excommunication is an act of love. Come on now. Excommunication is an act of love. I've got something to say. Former brothers and sisters, listen to me. I'm talking to you myopically. My ex-Mormon rap will make you see. Excommunication's all about love, you see. When I'm cut off from the church, I'm in a good mood. Because it means I can't hurt Heavenly Father's feelings more, dude. Be it Kate, Kelly, John D. Lynn, or now Sam Young. Thinking you're smarter than our leaders is just plain dumb. Ex. Excommunication is an act of love. X X word X. Oh God. X X. Other churches really suck. They excommunicate, but the way that our church does it is really great. Social shunning and the liberal leading hearts that cry. All a bunch of angry anti-Mormon crocs of lies. We ain't angry. We ain't mean. We ain't vindictive or dumb. We're just protecting you from covenantal violation. But it's called a court of love for a reason, dude. And that reason is, um, uh, X. X X. X-X. 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 X-X.
Yo, anti Can't see this any other way Cause I know what I pretended as I know today This church is true What more can I say? Any other proposition as well Just gay Stop thinking that you know more than the brethren, yo They went to pretty good schools There isn't one dodo Don't question what they say And don't you make a stand Just obey And keep your head in that eternal sand It's how we roll No one has been And no one ever will be we are not Who going after somebody who's breaking all that covenant said about I've got a question about church history and we're all saying, oh, go out of the church. Why is it a big deal well, that the church protects the kids of gay parents? parents? I mean, that just, against the church that just makes sense. Right? This, is, this is about love. It's just because Jesus loves everyone so much that he wants to keep them away from weakness. Why wouldn't you want to do that? An act of love and mercy. It just cracks me up how many college educated people in 2018 think that they're smarter than a farm boy. I didn't have any education from Hi, this is Paul from Alaska, and I listen to Infants on Thrones while bitching out on Elders Quorum. You can comment on this episode on the website, infantsonthrones.com. And if you really like what you hear, give the Quorum, this one, not, not the other one, a five-star rating, and write a short review on iTunes. I did. Anyone for the closing prayer? Thank you for listening to Infants on Thrones. Infants on Thrones.